Amen. Amen. Everybody doing good? Everybody doing well? Well, I am speaking today. <laughs> oh, don't start. Don't give me the glory. He gets all the glory. <laughs> I just want to say um, it's been quite a ride this last season for everybody. It looks like everybody in their hearts were going through various things. And some of us have kept these things unspoken. But, but we see it in each other. And this is where family comes together to encourage. You know, um, it's been a rough season for me. I mean, even during this season, I've, I've lost friends. I've lost leaders at the job. And I've lost leaders here. And, and I've had to ask myself the question, Lord, what are you doing? And I, I point to myself first. And I said, Lord, am, am I in the wrong place? Did, did I do something? And the Lord has just spoken to me. He, he gave me a word today, and it's called, His Promise Still Stands. And it was interesting that Pastor, she gave an awesome interlude into, into these things with the attacks that we've had. Now, even during the last week, I've had some issues go on where I had to seek the face of God. Um, I was out of town last week. I was in Washington, D.C., and met some friends that I hadn't seen in 28 years. And one is a Jew, and one is a Greek, and one is from Estonia. And I had a chance to tell them what I've been doing for 28 years, give all praise to God. And I had a chance to give that testimony because they knew me when. And they were like, Langston, that, that, that's what you're doing now? Wow. And they may not understand, but I had an opportunity to sow some seeds. But I realized that God in his awesome wisdom, I also lost a friend last week, a friend that I had been praying for and that I was waiting for God to heal. And what do you do when it doesn't happen? And I realized when I got the word while in Washington, because I had a chance to pray with my friend before I left, and I prayed healing, I prayed restoration, and you know, I prayed for the kingdom of God all over him. I did everything that I could do. And then Lord says, I've got this. But I realized that several months ago, the Lord had planned to move me out of the way during that time. I would be in Washington, D.C. on Memorial Day with friends and doing what God had called me to do, to tell your testimony to the Jew first, to the Greek, and then to all others. And I said, awesome, awesome, Lord. I know what you're doing. But I got the text message uh, last, the Thursday before last on morning saying that he had passed and that he had gone comfortably. And it has been something to get back off a plane to go to uh, a wake and then a funeral and then to, to say, okay, Lord, what now? You know, 56-year-old person, people at a loss all over this world, attacks, changes that we've got going on. And I said, Lord, what have you got for me in the middle of this? And kind of pushing into his word, he said, my promise still stands. So I began to search the scriptures, and I've been looking at these scriptures for months and waiting for the opportunity to kind of talk about some of the trends that I'm seeing because I think that they will be helpful to us in whatever we go, wherever we go. First thing is that the Lord made a promise to us, and he says, let me show you some things, Langston. He says, in, in Genesis, at the beginning, he speaks to a man called Abraham, and he speaks to Abraham's seed. And he says, I will give it to you. 
which is what his word says, Genesis 13, 17. I will give it to you. I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to give it to you. So we have to stick with the first thing that he told us to do. He will give it to us. Number two, in Genesis 15, 18 through 19, he even describes again that I will give it to you, but he describes the borders of what this land is supposed to look like. Then we wait. And we wait. 400 years later, we're in Exodus. There's been tribulation. There's been disease. There's been attacks. There's been war. And we now find the people that have been promised this land now seated as slaves, as slaves to Egypt. Lord says now it's time, and he reminds them that there's a promise, Exodus 3.8. You don't have to look this up now. Just, just write it down. I'm just going to kind of run through it to kind of lay it out there for you. And, you know, we've talked in several weeks, and other ministers have talked about the same thing, about how he takes and frees the slaves out of Egypt, and they cross over a river, and there's stones of remembrance, and wow, this, this is great. But I, we wanted to step back just a little bit before they get to these things, the promise of the land. Now, we talk about the passage, we talk about the challenges that overcame, but let's look at that promise. It's been now one year and they've been set free, and they've walked in this desert. And they're looking for this promised land. They had been delivered from Egypt, out of bondage, set free, headed toward the promised land. Huh. They were entered into a covenant in the first year. God entered into a covenant with them where he promises. He makes these promises to them. God's law has given them now, has been given to his people. You know, the Bible says that he speaks with a thunderous voice, and he takes his finger and he writes on the tablets and he gives it to Moses. And, I, and I'm imagining these things as if it were a movie. And he says, and then he sets the tabernacle, his place, that they carry with him night and day. God dwelling with his people. Wow. The priesthood of the family of Aaron, who set in to be the ministers over the people. Everybody had a job. He numbered every tribe and every person in that tribe, and they had a duty. He provided food. He led them by a pillar of smoke during the day and a, and a pillar of fire by night. By night, they were led by the fire. And now at the threshold of taking the land, the promise, say the promise. You know, you've got a promise. God has promised you some things, and you haven't seen them the way you thought that you would see them. Never would you have thought that you would have been in this situation looking at these challenges that are coming. But the Lord says, my promise still stands. So they get ready to go into this land. There's a promised land. We're here. We're about ready to go. And God speaks to his people. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel from each tribe of their fathers and shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness to Paran, according to the uh, command of the Lord. All of them, men who were heads of the children of Israel. And that's Numbers 13, uh, verses 1 through 3, just in case you want to write it down and look at it later. In fact, write down these scriptures and go through this thing, because I might mess it up. I might change it. But I want you to see these words for yourself, because then you're responsible for them. 
one of the things that really kind of comes into mind is that God tells Moses to send out these 12 from the tribes, and they're kind of pseudo-leaders in their various groups. And I said, well, that was good. But one of the things you have to realize is God tells Moses to send them out and ask myself the question, why? See, God who knows everything, who from the beginning in Genesis makes a promise, knows that he is going to fulfill it, and here we are. I was like, why didn't God just tell him to go ahead and cross? But God understood the people that he had that had been in bondage and that here they were, and they had some issues going on that are hinted at in various scriptures. And God said, let's just send out the spies, send them out, send them out, even though I know what the final story is going to be. You know, and just to kind of give you an idea, there were some issues that were going on even in the background amongst the leadership. We realize that Moses is a great man who leads them out. But Moses had foes that were even close to him. In fact, sometimes they can even be siblings. He had Aaron, his brother, who began to talk to his oldest sister, Miriam. And Miriam was a prophetess. She was a prophet also, and so was Aaron. They were all prophets. They were seeing and they were speaking these things. But the ones that are closest to you, sometimes something happens. And see, Miriam starts talking some stuff like, <laughs> you think you're the big boy that gets all the words? God speaks to me too. Hmm. So, you know, brother, he hears this and he starts saying, yeah, I agree with her. <laughs> In fact, Miriam now comes against his own character of her own brother and says, wow, you were married to that other, that other girl, and she died, and now you married that black girl from that tribe. She's a Christianite, which means that she is black. And in this culture, it was different. It was unlike what they expected. So just little things are going on. The murmuring and the complaining even starts in the leadership first. You know, and God comes down, and he calls Miriam outside. He says, listen, y'all come out from the people. Come here. I got, I got to talk to you. He says, now, even though you're a prophet and your brother be a prophet, Moses, your brother, I talk to him face to face. How dare you do this? And Moses puts a curse. Not, I don't know what to call it. A curse. He puts a condition on Miriam. He says, Miriam, I'm going to stricken you with a disease. Well, Guess what? When you look at the word, actually Moses wanted to kill her. Not Moses. God wanted to kill her for speaking these words. And Moses says, no, don't do that. Don't do that. He says, okay, because of you, Moses, I'll put leprosy on her and her skin will begin to peel. And I'll send her out and in seven days she'll be healed. So she had to learn her lesson. Wow. I want to report out, I want to report to you that it was the people's idea to send out the spies. And we see that in as a cross-reference, Deuteronomy 1.22. But God permitted it. Moses consented to it. One leader from every tribe. Now, listen to this. He said, go up this way into the south and go to the mountain and see what the land looks like. Whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many. Whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities are inhabited like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, whether they are a forest or not, be of good courage. In the middle, he throws, be of good courage. Uh-oh. Why would he say that in the middle of that? Be of good courage. So you might want to circle that. 
and bring some of the fruit back from the land. Now he's placing orders. So it's like, go look at it, go look at it, be of good courage, and also bring back some fruit. Oh, okay, you know. As you can see, I, I like to eat, so I, 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 can, I can definitely understand that. And that's in verses 17 through 20. So these guys, they go out on a 40-day expedi expedition. And they go up the side of a mountain chain, see everything. They come back, and on their way back, they come across an area where there's these grapes. And these grapes are so large that they take a bunch of grapes, and they have to put them over a pole, and two men have to carry these grapes back. They're so huge, humongous grapes. And they bring back figs. They bring back other fruits such as pom pomegranates and all kinds of new things. And they all come back, and every single one of the 12 agreed that the land that this was the land of milk and honey that had been talked about. <laughs> uh, Numbers 13, 27. Oh, but then it starts. Whew. It said, we went to the land where you sent us, and it truly flows of milk and honey. And this is 13, 27 to 29. And this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of Jordan. Okay, that sounds cool. But, uh-oh, here's the bad news. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against these people, for they are strong, stronger than we are. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we had gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people we saw in it were men of great stature. They saw giants, the descendants of Anak, that came from the giants. And we were grasshoppers in our own sight, and so were we in theirs. Uh-oh. So 40 days, they come back with the fruit. They've been talking. You know, the promise still stands. Uh-oh. You know, and I want to just stop right now to encourage you. Because their land was theirs, but they must rise up in courage and take it. And they were encouraged to do this. There's some things that you have been told to take. And I'm going to tell you today, you have to figure out what that is because you have to rise up and take it. What is that thing that you have been challenged with? Sometimes it can be a marital issue. Sometimes it can be a financial issue. Sometimes it can be a job issue, an education issue. It can be issues with children. It can be issues with the past, issues with your family. Often it's something that is right there glaring you in your face. And you're like, one more time, and I'm going to, one more time, I'm, well, you've been saying that for 20 years. Speak the truth. There is but one truth. So we got to take the land. What has God given you? What must you rise up and conquer? You know, what old habit must you leave behind? A lot of times, you know, we can predict what people will do. Even with uh, criminals, they have these investigators that can do a personality profile because we all have a tendency of doing the same thing. We get comfortable. Even in churches, we can get comfortable with doing something. When it goes out of order, we're like, what happened? They always did it. You know, you know we've got to be very, very careful because God may be doing a new thing with us because his promise still stands. 
He said he's taking us to this land. The promise still stands. It's not how we get there, whether we take a boat or bus or plane. It's that we get there because he said so. What have you been wrestling with? Uh-oh. You feel like I'm, I'm stepping on toes. Now, in the middle of this, we've got these 12 guys that go out. They come back. They said the land is everything that God said that it was. And we've got 10 guys that rise up and say, no, we can't, we can't do this. We can't do it. They're just too big. There's the opposition. They're afraid of the occupants that are already there, except for two men. It's two men that just a little bit different. And one of them is named Hosea, who at some point gets the name Joshua. His name is going to change at some point. He is the son of Nun. He's from the tribe of Ephraim. And he would lead the next generation into this land. Wait, 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 wait a minute. I don't like Moses is supposed to do this. He led us out. He led us across the river. We got there. We've, we've been going a year and all these things have happened. And now we've got somebody that's the Lord has already eyed because he knows what's going to happen. It's not a surprise to him. Um, second guy, Caleb, tribe of Judah. Now, sometimes it is interesting to look up these tribes and see what they're known for and what their names mean. That's going to be an assignment for you. Caleb was very, very vocal. He stepped into faith. He, he, he stepped into the faith so bad that later on we're going to see. He says, yeah, we can do it because he wasn't worried about what they were worried about. Huh. You know, and in the end, he is one of the ones that gets to go over it. Even at 85 years old, he steps into the land, and he is leading, and he is dancing, and he is shouting, and he, he's teaching the youth, and he's, he's, he has more energy than he had when he was 40. Mm. That's the rest of the story. Verse 30 says that Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it good report. We can do this thing. Mm. Ten spies lead a rebellion against God and a 400-year promise to the people of God. You know, they cried the night. The people did when they heard this and said, woke up the next morning and they go to Moses. Hey, Moses, come outside. Hey, what's going on? If only we had died in the land of Egypt. If only we had died in the wilderness. Why has God brought us to the land to fall by his sword? And our wives and our children will be victims. They're going to become these victims. What? Would it be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Wait, 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 wait. You fought for generations to get out of Egypt. You saw the waters that Pastor talked about a couple of weeks ago. They opened up. They stepped on dry land, walked across, looked back, saw hundreds of thousands killed. You've walked for a year. God is walking with you by day and by night. His presence is with you by day and by night. And this is what it comes when, you don't, when it doesn't look like what you think it's supposed to look like. Let's just get another leader and go back. Say, I can't go back. We can't go back. You know, even if you went back, did you think that they're just going to welcome you back? Because you'd have to go back through that same river. How do you get across it now? Uh-oh. If you got across the river, when you showed back up and you killed most of the army, the people are probably not going to be, hey, come on in. <laughs> got coffee for you. 
probably not going to happen. But anyway, this is the thought. We will revert back to something in the past that we think should work. The other thing, too, is I said, what did Moses feel like when he's the leader and the people that are now working with him now have all turned and ready to select another leader? Let's, let's get another one. Huh? Really? <laughs> Moses and Aaron fell on their faces. Joshua and Caleb tore their clothes off. <laughs> God hears this thing, and he says, I'm going to just destroy it. I'm, I'm, I'm so tired of this junk that they've got going on. Not that he was physically tired. He's just, you know, hey, let's just, I can start all over again. Why? Because he's God. But Moses makes a plea to God. Moses makes a plea. And um, as Moses made a plea to the people first, they got mad and they said, listen, we're going to stone you. We'll, we'll kill you. Wait, this was the leader a minute ago. Now anybody who's in opposition to your issues now becomes the threat. God appears and said, now, how long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complains against me? I've heard the complaints. Why? Because I've been walking with you. Uh, which the children of Israel have made against me. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, uh-oh, because I heard it, so I will do to you the carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in the wilderness. All of you who are numbered according to the entire number from 20 years old and above, except for Caleb, the son of Jenneth, and Joshua, the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I may, I, I, that I would make you dwell in. But your little ones whom you said would be victims, I will bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. But as far as you, your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness, and your sons shall be the shepherds in the wilderness 40 years and bear the brunt of your infidelity until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness according to, uh-oh, the number of days in which you spied out the land. Remember, they went for 40 days. For every, every day, there's that penalty now. For the day... For each day you shall bear your guilt for one year, namely 40 years, and you shall know my rejection. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will surely do as all this evil congregation who are gathered together against me. In this wilderness they shall be consumed and they shall die. What would you do if the Lord came and said that? in the middle of your childishness and you not believing that the promise still stands that he talked about, what do you say to the Father? Mm. God wants to destroy them, but Moses has made a plea for mercy. And God said, I forgive them. But even in forgiving them, he says there's still a penalty for what they went through. It's sad. First generation lost the opportunity to take the promise. Now doomed to 40 years for what could have taken 12 to 14 days to get to the promised land if you had just done it. It wasn't that far away. 12 to 14 days you could have been there. 
the ten spies that gave the evil report died before the Lord of a plague. Boom, you're out of here. Have no use for you. Boom, you're out of here. Chapter 14, 36 to 38, in case you just want to look at it. So here we are standing. God has now spoken. He's not happy with us. We did some things. We turned against Moses. We wanted to get a leader. We, we're now here, and now God takes out the ten that gave the evil report and says that only two will go. Now, as far as I'm concerned, I would have been on my knees. Mercy, Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. Something. The Israelites, they go home. They go to sleep. They wake up the next morning, they had coffee, and they said, okay, we're ready to go to the promised land. <laughs> it's too late. Your opportunity was over when that happened. Lord has given judgment in the middle of this situation, and they missed it. Uh-oh. Moses even had a penalty to pay because as, while going through the 40 years, 40 years now, we've got to pay this 40 years. They had to look at Moses every day and look at Aaron and look at Caleb. Oh, well, he's going to go, and those two are going to go. And the people, you know, they're okay at first, but then the stuff starts up again where they start being very needy. I don't, I don't know. I couldn't find a word for it. But they're still talking the stuff. It's almost like they haven't even learned in the 40 years. Even in the 40 years, I think that I would have probably said, Lord, you're forgiving God. You made me in your image. Lord, will you give us another chance? Let, let's show you how good we can be. I think I would have been walking on eggshells during the whole time. But we get to yin, 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 the background and listening to negative confessions and gossip and all that other stuff. And they start saying, well, you know, well, man, he gave us bread. Ugh, I'm tired of bread. And now they're not getting the bread. And now they want water. And there was one time where Moses, you know, he said, okay, you guys want water? God says, hit the rock. Boom, hit the rock. They come again and says, hey, we're thirsty again. Hey, Moses, do that thing that you did before. And Moses gets a little bit annoyed, too, even though he had been the good guy all along. And he goes, he hits the, the rock twice. But God had told him to go speak to it. Hey, Moses, the second time, just go tell the water to provide the water for, for them. He's still taking care of us. Moses and Aaron come out there, boom, boom, hit the rock, water comes out. How long? He's a little bit annoyed. You know, and I'm, I'm seeing this whole thing. It, it just creates a picture in me. Because of that, Aaron is taken up to a mountaintop, and Moses strips him of all of his clothes and puts them on his son and sends Aaron's son down. Moses is denied entrance into the promised land because, see, God could have done that the same thing to Moses because Moses, you know, if you kind of read some of the commentaries, they say because Moses was obedient, God got mad and didn't let him into the promised land. But I think God really loved Moses because he was obedient at one time, but the, 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 the stress and the pressure of leading this by himself and just having the continued stuff. And I'm not making excuses. Moses was not allowed to enter the promised land, but he was allowed to view it, and we see that in Deuteronomy 34, 4, and 5. So get back to the plan, the promise. Hosea, 
gets the name Joshua. Joshua was a common man. You know, a lot of times when names are changed, generally a calling is changed. And we see that when we look at Abram, who gets changed to Abraham, and Jacob, who gets the name Israel. We'll see that in Scripture. Just throwing it out there. Caleb was the one that took adversity. And instead of seeing it as, a, as, as something that was, was a bad thing, he saw it as an experience. And he didn't see it as failure. He said, wow, there's some stuff that's going on, but let's, let's see the good side of this because God still has that promise, and it's going to happen. I like my experiences that I walk through because I see God's hand in it every single time. So the kids make it to the promised land. Joshua in 14.10 says, I'm 85 years old, and I'm still standing strong. And we also realize that Joshua comes and gives him an area and, and gives him dominion over that where he gets to control and he has uh, the authority over that area. Now, one of Joshua's assignments was to raise the next generation. You know, one of the things we realize is that the past does not determine your future. It's not an excuse. The biggest opposition that I see here is us. It's what do we do with that promise? Do we believe that there's a God? Do we believe that he rules in power? Do we believe that he can take us where he wants us to go? Now, there was a word that was set in this church that has been our destiny was to go take the city of Tifton. And some are doing that, but some have said, I'll just watch, I'll just participate. But you know, there's a gift and there's a call that we have all to go. God does not want one of us lost. They certainly shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any one who rejected me. But my servant Caleb, because he was of a different spirit, a peculiar people. There's an analogy there. You're a peculiar people. We have a different spirit. We're a little bit different because we have a spirit that's in us. When Jesus comes, not only do we have God that travels in a fire and in a cloud, but we have him in us now. So there's even a greater accountability that we have. But a different spirit in this man, for he followed me successfully. I will bring him into the land and his descendants shall inherit it. And that's speaking of Caleb in 14, 23, 24. You know, there's some stuff we've got to let go. And uh, it's not by chance that we're doing communion today because it helps us to understand what the body and the blood has done for us. But also it helps us to understand what the accountability, what we've been called to do. There were a few things that I just wrote down that were some of the things that prevented some from going into the promised land. Anybody that was over 20 years old, wow, except for two, went into the promised land. One of the things, family discord. If you are holding on against anybody in your family, in your, your, your regular family or your church family or your job family, anywhere that you have authority, we have to break the family discord and have unity. If there's issues that you have here, you need to go to that person and make it right before you touch that. Now, when I was little in, in church, they used to say, that if you got to go make it right before you touch that thing, you know. 
and then some uh, churches start saying, anybody can take it, and anybody can take it if you want to, but I don't want to take anything unless, unless I'm right with God and right with people. The people were afraid, said over and over and over, don't be afraid. Number three, they didn't take action with going into the land. One year, a lot of stuff happened. They could have taken it in two weeks, but they didn't. And now they were cursed to the 40 years, and they still didn't even plan to take it or show any repentant heart. Mm. They dealt with their past issues. You got to deal with all your past issues. You got to put them under the blood. Fear sways a good report. Uh-oh. If you've got a report that you've heard and they said, oh, you're 95% probability that you're going to do pretty well with this procedure or with that condition, why do you hold on to the 5% and receive that thing? Well, I don't know. I need to go to another doctor. He told me there's 5% chance that I, oh, okay. Don't take a, a, a report. The, pe the people voted to rebel, to rebel against the man of God. If you've got leaders that are amongst you, you have to trust the fact, and it's their accountability and their gift to, first of all, hear, see, and then go. And we go with them. We join with them because you've got gifts that you bring with you that will also help. They can't go with you, and you can't go with them. We've got to take this trip together. So wake up. You know, another thing, too, is I noticed is that every time that there was an issue, the people went to sleep, and they woke up the next morning, and they almost had a different mind. Well, when you sleep, either the spirit can enter or either other realms will enter and change your mind because it will play the negative scenario. Uh-oh. His promise still stands. That's first. He's taken us. We're ready to go. When they got angry, they rejected leadership. They rejected God. They even thought about, let's stone the leaders. Uh-oh. Big responsibility. The leaders become targets. Pray for them. Uh. And another thing is that they didn't repent and they didn't ask for forgiveness. I'm going to ask you to turn with me to John chapter 6. I want to read this before we take communion. You know, a, a lot of times I realized that when I was a, a child, when they took communion, there was a tendency to kind of rush and to get into it, and you were taking it because grandma was looking at you or everybody else was doing it, but this is something that we, we do for ourselves. And it's like, get that look on your face. Don't you eyeball me. Come over here and take this, you know, and they'd shove this thing in you, and you really didn't know what it was for. And, and it was really, really hard to kind of understand some stuff. So I just want to read this before we go there. John chapter 6. This is good for you to hear. And it's Jesus speaking. You know, when they did the Passover supper, Jesus was excited because he wanted to sit with the disciples. But he also believed and spoke these things. He says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, and a man 
may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, and I will give for the life of the world, that I will give for the life of the world. This was confusing to the people hearing it because they said, are we going to eat Jesus now? They did not have the understanding of what he was saying. And Jesus comes back, and he's, he goes down. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink of his blood, ye have no life in you. Whosoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is the drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father. So he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is what the bread, this is that bread that which cometh down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth this bread shall live forever. Wow. So, we've got communion today, and I need someone to come help me. Anybody will, if you want to come help. Or, but his promise still stands. The bread was going to represent his body. I'm going to ask you to stand. If you'll come with me, Casey. Uh, Brother Bill, would you come take the wine for us? And I'm trying to show you in the Scripture how important this is. And the Bible also says that do this often in remembrance of me. It does not have to be done in church. It can be done with your family on Thanksgiving. Mm. Father God, hold up that bread. We raise this bread up. It represents the body of Christ. It is now sanctified and holy. We take this in remembrance of what Jesus did, and now we are accountable through what he's done. The wine, we hold that up. We bless it. We bless it before the Father, before it represents the, the blood of Jesus Christ that was poured out for our sin. We thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Your promise still stands because you've been so faithful. And despite of our rebellion, our talking, generations and generations, Lord, we're sorry that we've rejected you, but we receive you today and we agree to walk in union. We make it right. We make it right before you. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We don't bring out our Christmas list now. It's not Black Friday. But, Lord, we open up our hearts sincerely to say that we want you. We want to be one. We want the life. We want your body. We want wholeness. And we want to continue our assignment during this season. I'm going to ask you to come up and take your cup. And if you have to repent and go line up with somebody, now is the time to do that.
Matthew. Jesus, you're still enough. Is he still enough? Matthew says that as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup and he gave thanks, and he gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins, but I say unto you, I will not drink again until I drink again with you in the kingdom, in my Father's kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to do this in unity. That's a victory in the background. You see the spirits dancing. There are angels right now as you take this communion that are walking around that are cheering for you to take the promise of what he did, that are cheering for your children, that are cheering for your generation, that are cheering for the youth, that say that you are victorious. This is, this is his body. Take it and eat it. In Jesus' name, receive it. Hold up your wine. This is his blood. Shed for you, for your sins, for your healing. We take it in Jesus' name. As you walk into this season of thanks, we give praise to the Lord for the unity of our family for our church family. We give unity to our leaders where we will stand behind and we'll go because God said go. We look at that thing that we've been asked to challenge and we speak favor because his promise is there. He gave you authority over those. Every, everything that he said that you would do, you will do in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Anyone have a word or something that they want to say? Anything that they want to say about us? We're family. 